Hey everyone, welcome to the Andrew Michael Matter podcast. I'm Andrew, and today my esteemed guest is Jen Miller. Jen. Hello, thanks for having me, Andrew. Uh, I'm Jen Miller. I am Zooming you. I guess that's the new verb we're using. I'm Zooming you from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I'm a music producer, I'm an artist, I'm also an activist, and during the day I work in political strategic communications, which sounds like a whole bunch of nonsense because sometimes it is. Yeah, it's like speech writing, public affairs, public policy, uh, thought leadership type stuff, like weighing in on industry news and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So I want to talk to you about music and a little bit of the marketing side of that. Yeah. Mostly sure. because so many artists are doing everything themselves. And yeah. I feel like... I feel like you're an expert oh, wow. on these things. So I want to start by telling you, um, I, I loved something that you said on your stories, like maybe two years ago. <laughs> I'm just pulling that from the real reason. <laughs> Could be anything. And what, what you said was basically how, how gendered or how privileged it was to ask a female artist who their producer is. Oh, God. From the assumption that they didn't have those capabilities, those skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting point because it's twofold, right? Less than 3% of all music producers and sound engineers are identify as women. So it's not necessarily a false assumption to assume that most producers and engineers are dudes. That's true. There's not really a you know, gender parity in the industry at all. But I think what I was trying to hit on is that it's annoying to me because I am, a, a, what did I say is my first thing in terms of titles I take for myself, music producer, because that's like the first and foremost thing I identify with. Um, but it is really interesting because I produce like most of my stuff. Do I work with other people on that? Sure. Are they my producer suddenly? No, they're my collaborator. They're like, you know what I'm saying? They don't like own me or whatever. But there's also like a real pressure um, on younger artists and women artists to work with male producers as opposed to like learning to produce themselves. So I think it's a lot about just shifting how we talk about it so we can get more people into the field, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's also like pr production isn't just like, you know, me actually using these instruments and all of the gear to track the song. It's also like what you do in your songwriting sometimes. Like thinking about vocal harmonies, that's vocal production. That's part of music production. You know, plenty of sound engineers that are shitty vocal producers because they've never sang. Like, you know, these things are, there's so many hats to wear in terms of production. So yeah, we definitely got to shift that binary away from there and get more women into sound engineering. No doubt. Would you place the the taskmaster role or the like organizing schedules of a of a session under producer as well? Man, yeah, I have my first uh, artist production intern this summer, and she's brilliant. Um, and it's funny because I think in the past few weeks she's realized like oh, you don't have a team. Like, you are the team. <laughs> like, like, I'm not, you know, I'm teaching her how to produce, so I'm not, like, pushing work to her or anything, but, like, 
yeah. whenever anything happens, it's like literally me doing it in terms of like changing scheduling, like troubleshooting the gear before the session, like putting, you know, I was talking to her about Dropbox, you know, how you never should send an MP3 attachment to like a website or whatever, because it's just gonna clog up their email inbox. So you wanna use a file sharing system. And she's like, oh my God, I never realized, you know, being an artist was gonna <laughs> include all of this like digital business stuff, you know? And I'm like, it's mostly that from what I can tell. <laughs> like not entirely, but you know, it is. I, I, I don't know that I would necessarily put that under like like just because you schedule sessions you're a producer but it's definitely a component of running a business as a producer which mm -hmm. i'm sure you know a lot about there's yeah so, so you're the i in team <laughs> yeah da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i also but i also think there's like a benefit to that like I know a lot of really talented people, you know, who got really big labels um, and they don't know how to do shit for themselves because they never had to do it before. And then they get dropped from their label and they're like, how do I do this without a team? And I'm like, well, you would have learned that in the last 10,000 hours if you weren't so damn talented and didn't get signed so quickly. But like, it's really true. Like when you have to do a lot of different things yourself, you bring a lot to the table, even just to be hired, like for like a company, you know, you would learn a lot of shit on your own. Yeah. That's been the main impetus for me besides I just love learning and expanding the, the like borders of my knowledge and my skills, but it's also way cheaper if you can do it well yourself. Yeah. My parents always say, not just the money thing, they just say like, nobody's going to love your baby more than you. I don't have a child. So that baby, you know, is my dog or my company, you know, my song, all that shit. Like, it's really true. Like, I don't want to sound like a control freak, but you know, I know something's going to get done the right way and I'm going to see it through start to finish if I'm in charge of it. Whereas as soon as I loop in a PR team, I don't know how many people they pitched. I don't know what's in that email. I don't, I don't know if they're approaching them in, you know, a, a, from a place of humility or if they're spamming them with six emails at once on behalf of me. Like, I don't want that. It's not how I would want to be, you know? So like, I, I think about that type of stuff all the time. Mm. Totally. You feel that way too? Like, do you think it's a benefit to have spent time learning how to do everything on your own? I do. I think what's really important is for a producer to understand the entire process like from the genesis of the song to the release of the song because then you understand what each step requires yeah it also is like i think uh in a producer role <clears throat> a lot of the time you're <sighs> my buddy jake uh vicious from he was in dc he's like one of my best friends taught me a lot about production he would always say that production is first and foremost psychological. <laughs> and then the second part is music. <laughs> and I think that's so spot on, like whether, you know, you're, it's like you're dealing with somebody who has imposter syndrome and like they suddenly don't like what you're working on or they think all their vocal takes are bad. Like mm. you're there coaching them along through that yeah. or trying to bring the energy that maybe they don't have that day. Or like it's someone who, is going to do a remix project, but they 
get to the point where they have all of these producers lined up and they're like, how do I give them what they need? You're like, uh, you need to give them the stems. And they're like, well, can you do that now? Well, I would have done it before for you had I known you were doing this. Like, that's the, it's like a, such a producer thing, right? Like, you just know that that's going to take time. And you, mm -hmm. if you know how to do it every time, saves you a lot of time of going to ask some friend who you probably didn't pay enough for their work anyways. <laughs> yeah, I think like a producer needs to be good at working with people. You need to be able to manage personalities. Oh my God, yeah. So many, not just personalities, but egos too, because they are sensitive. And I'm not talking like egos, people who mm -hmm. like, walk into my house and are like, I'm the shit. Like, I don't really like hang out with people like that. I'm talking more about like, like the stuff I struggle with egoically is like, like the imposter syndrome thing, right? Like a lot of times if like, like somebody sent me a, fo a folder of beats this week and he was like, what love feedback? I was like, I'm not an expert. <laughs> don't send that to me. Like, yeah, I, I am an expert. Like <laughs> I've been doing this for like a decade. Like you have to sometimes remind yourself that you're capable. And I find myself doing a lot more of that with artists than, you know, like trying to ignore like annoying cocky people. A lot of times it's like, okay, why do you feel that way? Cause this song's dope. Like, let's sing it with a little intention. You know, I can sense that you're not, you know, singing full out. Cause you're like, maybe you're not used comfortable to meet with me yet. Like it's all different. Everyone's ego and insecurities are so different. Yeah. I, like whenever I'm, I'm meeting with an artist for the first time, I'm very upfront about cutting through all the nonsense, the ego, yeah. the hubris, the problems. Yeah. We're, we're recording something that's gonna exist maybe forever. Hopefully. Who, who knows, yeah. And if you were pitchy or I thought you could get a better take, I'm gonna tell you upfront, it's not personal. We're just here, like we're working together to represent you, to represent me. And I'm going to tell you if you're pitchy. Yeah. Because and that's important. Because if you don't, your ass is going to be sitting there trying to fix that in post with like Melodyne or some shit. And that part of the vocal is going to sound like a weird robot. And then the artist is going to be like, I don't like that part of the vocal. And you're like, nah, you know, like yeah. it, it really, and it's better to like, push a little bit but it's so true but i think not only do people receive criticism differently but they're motivated differently like like that's a huge thing like i don't know if you've ever worked with an artist you really believe in but they're not really like uh consistent like in putting their stuff out or like consistent in giving you feedback on things and like you're trying to help them and a lot of times i think that's just because people are motivated in different ways like like dogs you know like dogs are some dogs are more motivated by like food some are more motivated by praise. Some just want to go throw a stick. Like people are the same way. And like the sooner we can figure it out, the more we can be like, all right, bud, let's finish this up. And I'm going to throw the stick for you out back after this. And like, it's actually kind of fucked up how much I try to manipulate people in a good way to like figure it out what it is that works for everyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Manipulate might not have the best connotation, but you're like Definitely. playing to their strengths. Yeah, and, and poking sticks sometimes, you know, sometimes people need stick poked. Like, yeah. sometimes people just need pushed. 
everyone's so averse uh, to conflict. Um, like everyone, just like, you know, you just said that is a negative context of manipulation. Like, so does conflict, but, but mm -hmm. like conflict could just be communication of, of, and it's a moment that feels like conflict. And then it actually resolves the whole situation. You know, I'd rather just have like the short-term conflict. Okay. This part of this vocal isn't quite spot on. I know you can do better. And if they get a little mad, I'm like, I know you can do better. I've heard you sing. And you start gassing them up and you like, you know, do what you need to, to get the best out of them. Like, it's a good thing. I would want someone to do that for me. That's how I always think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember I had a session where I was recording guitar for a song with this just phenomenal guitar player. And we, we were doing it and we ended up punching in like, 20 times in this 40 second take and it was taking forever and i i wasn't being a good producer because i was holding back and finally i just said dude we need to leave here with one take of it performed perfectly and i know you can do it so let's just aim at that let's stop piddling with punching in right and, and he got it shortly after and it was the most satisfying uplifting feeling <laughs> to like challenge and then meet that goal together you know what though you also just approach the same problem in a new way so like I, like you were looking at it you're like punching it in, it's not working maybe you know getting the context of the beginning and letting him just vibe this out and hit, saying you know giving a goal we did this right one time we're done it absolves that, you know, that thing. It's kind of like, and I always think about sports as like a really good way that trained me for this type of stuff. Because, you know, when I was playing mm -hmm. soccer, if I like messed up and someone told me like, number one, I probably already knew that I messed up. <laughs> right. But you can't fix something unless you perfect all of the small parts of something and you break it down and you know like where it went wrong. I think that's like why, you know, I always be reflecting right after a game, like, okay, you did this, this was wrong, that happened, next time you do that. If the ball ever comes to you there, do something different. Do not, like, hold on to it for something. You learn, you know, and then the next time it happens, it you, you can pivot. And, like, so you might have actually helped that guitar player. He might not like to punch in. He might like to do one pass through the whole thing every time, and he might not have realized that was what was fucking him up, so he wasn't saying anything to you, you know? Yeah. Like, it's such a, it's such a, we just got to learn our own things. I'm definitely like that with vocals. Like people always want to punch shit because they're used to working like that. And I'm like, no, let me just have that little pass because then we won't have, you won't have to splice anything. <laughs> It'll just be right there. <laughs> but you know, everyone's different and you don't, you don't learn what works for you. Like I'm kind of a dick if I get pushed and I'm in a bad mood. Like if I told you, like I'm in a bad place, my voice feels bad. And then you're like, this is pitchy. That's pitchy. I'll be like, well, I told your ass that it wasn't a good vocal day. And like, it's good for me to like, you know, have that openness with people. And I want to with everyone I work with. Yeah. It's harder when it's new, for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, especially just topically to right now, like everything we're collectively experiencing with the pandemic and with racial injustice, like there's a lot that each of us are processing. And like, I think in general, artists tend to be a little bit more empathetic, tend to be really plugged into social media and it's really impacting people and like we have to 
all give grace to ourselves and each other, you know? It's hard, For sure. but it's real. For sure. So with the, speaking of the pandemic. Yeah. I was kind of getting gassed up right at the beginning, like the middle of March when everything started shutting down in Tennessee because I heard all of these people talking about, oh, this is our time. Like everyone's going to be looking on social media. Everyone's going to be looking at artists right now. And this is your chance. Like make sure you get your platform in order, get those landing pages, yeah. get those advertising funnels. Right. Make sure you've got your budget. And I feel like I crashed and burned on that dream. <laughs> I was literally just talking to my, my neighbor about this in the backyard, like how when, when quarantine began, like early March, when everyone was kind of like accepting what was about to happen, yeah. it was like, there was some people that were just like kind of numb and in denial. And then there was like this other group of people who were like optimistic, the ones you're talking about, who seemed like almost excited and like, God loves them. Every single person I know who was like that, I was like, so are you willing to admit that you're fucking miserable with your normal life? Because what you're doing is you're suddenly excited to have time to work on all the things that you didn't have time to work on. And those are the things that are going to make you happy, but you haven't had time to work on them yet. <laughs> going on here? Like, what is this? You know? And I, I know I'm the same way. Like I've had like, I make annual to-do lists because I don't believe in like a resolution or whatever. Like, I don't think like resolutions work. I think like tangible goals work and then like goals underneath those working towards it works. Mm -hmm. Like that's measurable, you know, like to me, that's, that's how that works. And so I've set some for quarantine and I've like done okay. But also at the same point, like I didn't really account for the whole, like, Oh, 2 million people globally are going to die. Like, by this time and like that means everyone I know is gonna pretty much know somebody and the way that's gonna impact me like and them and how things will work like that's what we really have to have grace about and like really acknowledge you know because like you can want to be as productive as possible but you can't place like your value and your worth and how productive you're being during the most monumental global crisis I've ever lived through you just fucking can't. And the truth is, I don't know, this probably is going to piss someone off, but those people who weren't doing shit before quarantine and didn't start doing shit during aren't going to be doing shit after. Period. Like, you either have a knack and an interest in something and then you put the time in to build, you know, yeah, that, that talent, which is not real. Talent's not real to me at all. Like, I don't think that's real. Like, you are, you have an interest in you can grow that into a talent with like a lot of measured practice over and over again. Yeah. That's not like, you only have ability. That's right. Like, I guess maybe if I was in the NBA, I wouldn't be saying this shit, but that's more of like a physical <laughs> thing. You know what I'm saying? And even then, yeah, in the NBA, they didn't, he, they didn't come out of the fucking womb, goddamn seven feet tall and able to hit a free throw 98% of the time. You know what I mean? Like that's still, a combination of ability and practice. And I don't know, I'm kind of the worst. When people like ask me how to get in the music industry, I'm like, why aren't you already working? Like, you clearly don't like it if you're not already like doing it. This is like a little masochistic, to be honest. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally tracking with you. Yeah. Like normal people don't decide to try to like make a music their life. That's not like something you do if it's just an option for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's just something I could do is make music how I make money and build my own business and have no safety net. Like, no, you do that because you're really drawn to it. You know, you're compelled yeah. maybe to an affliction. Yeah. I was reflecting through all of this, like my streams haven't gone up. Me my followers, my followers haven't gone up. It's not been this tidal wave of attention yeah. that people were saying it was, but I was reflecting and thinking about like, why am I making music? Because it's like you said, it's sadistic. It's masochistic. It's, I was like, there's just something like the music is just inside of me and I have to get it out. Yeah. It and sounds so whack, but it's music. It's so real. It's like, it's the most cliche shit of all time, but it's either there or it's not, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I would, I, I was doing this before I got any money for doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, I do think there's something really interesting. I, I learned on a webinar, I run this organization called Girl Gang Music, which is just like a website and online community that's focused on elevating women and non-binary and, and uh, gay LGBTQIA plus, plus, plus individuals in music. Um, and we, we teamed up with Universal and uh, a few A&R people to put on a webinar for like our community. And one of the things the head of UMG's sync work said um, was that the thing they saw go up in streaming, like those two weeks in March, right after like the 13th, was Christmas music. Like that had me pausing. And then I started thinking about the psychology of it. A lot of the times when people are together, like their families are together, it's the only time is around the holidays. So, I mean, this is a little waspy, you know, for it to be Christmas music, but you know what I'm saying? The sentiment is there. It's like holiday music. And suddenly everyone was like forced to being with their families and like comforted by listening to like, that's a real spike that they saw in their data on Spotify. And I thought that was amazing because, and also that people are listening to mood playlists more on Spotify. So like um, all of the playlists that are like calm, meditation, bath time, all of those spiked in terms of listening. And that's just like the actual macro application of the, everyone's going to be on social media is the yeah. thing you would assume, but actually everyone's going to be trying to find something that makes them feel safe and okay, which is not social media. And it's not some random ass person like me's new music. It's fucking Springsteen or like whatever you grew up on. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's that. I'm not listening to new music right now. I'm like listening to like Red Hot Chili Peppers and pretending it's 1998. Like, <laughs> I feel great there, you know? That's so true. That's so true. It's so weird. I also think it's weird that people thought that because people would be spending more time on social media that that would immediately result in like positive turnover in terms of like sales and clicks and all that shit for like our own stuff because mm -hmm. it's still the same game of like, how do you want to pay attention to things? Do you want to pay attention to me? I don't know. Like, why would you? Me neither. You know, it's just like that. It's literally that. It's like day trading attention all day. 
do you want to pay attention to me? That's basically what every <laughs> Instagram post is. And it's annoying, dog. Like, I hate myself when I'm posting this shit. Like, I really, like, I really do. Self-promo is so painful, but at the same point, I get pissed when I work with people who aren't willing to do it. I'm like, how are you going to spend, first of all, the amount of times I've seen people sit on songs for years, and then they put them out, and they all they do is, like, tweet it, fucking post it on Instagram once to their 15,000 followers. I'm like, well... Thank God you spent, you know, $2,000 on just, you know, the mastering alone of your fucking project. And then you didn't even promote it or you put any of your budget into like actually getting it to people. Like social media is not advertising. It's just, it's just a tool, you know? Yeah. I, can you say that again? <laughs> say it louder for the people in the back dog. Like yeah. it's super real. Like you got to spend money to make money. I hate that saying. I hate that saying so much but it's not wrong. It's very correct. Yeah. Even in the music industry. I mean, it was one of the things I was showing my intern. She was like, you know what we should be doing for you? We should be promoting all of your stuff to Spotify playlists. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm totally doing that. <laughs> I'm on that. But let me show you the price that like these companies that work with all these labels, like playlist push, playlist pump, all that shit. Like, let me show you just like the pricing on those packages and the amount you're actually paying to get on, you know, those playlists with like, what, 40,000 followers, like whoopty fucking do. You're not going to make any money off of that investment. So I don't put money there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot about like one thing that I see happening and I get ads like this all the time. I feel like they're predatory ads. Yeah. Something like, You've got the next hit song. Oh, I hate this it. Fire single is going to blow up. You just need to get in the right room. And then it's like, pay us $200 and we'll do nothing. We'll do something magical over here <laughs> behind the curtain. And it's like, man, you're preying on people's dreams, their egos with that. And you're not going to yield a return. I hate this shit more than anything. Like the, the OG version of playlist pushing type shit like this was that type of scheme where like a venue or I'm trying to think of the actual name of the, of the organization. They're actually, anyways, there's a lot of these that do this, this setup where we'll book you to play a show. Then you have to buy this amount of tickets from us and the face value for them is $25. You have to buy them from us, and but it's fine. You'll sell all of them to your friends, so you'll make the money back. And you'll definitely sell all of them. Oh, you know, yeah. You're for sure going to be able to find, you know, 35 people who want to pay $25 to come to a showcase that you're just a part of. Sure. Good fucking luck. Like, I hate that shit because not only are you, you know, booking people for – and you're under the guise of like, we support art. And that's why we're doing this showcase. You're taking money from them. You're not actually putting, putting them on any type of, you know, place where there's going to be an engaged audience. You're taking all of the work off your plate. And you're also sucking like the life out of the person who probably just likes to make music and wasn't even looking for a fucking show. 
And if that's their first experience with booking a show, whether it be art, whether it be music, whether it be makeup, like that's a horrible experience to, you know, basically go into debt trying to promote your shit. And it makes me like actually mad when I see that type of advertising because, you know, I get advertising, you have to make money, but also trash. Sip seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again because I want people to hear it. Social media is not advertising. It's not advertising. It's like, it's, I think social media is even less strong than old school things like an email newsletter. Like, I got this email newsletter that I've been collecting these emails since I was like 18, dog. Like, everyone I know is on this email list. And you better believe it goes straight to their inbox. Like, how foreign is that, you guys? They don't, it's no algorithm to blame. They just don't fucking like you if they don't respond to your shit or buy it, you know? Yeah. You gotta eat that, swallow that pill. But like, quit blaming algorithms. This is a free fucking platform for you to use. You can be pissed off about it. I don't like it. Like, I feel like it's fairly obvious that like, Twitter was a lot more fun when everything was chronological and there wasn't ads everywhere. And like Instagram was a lot more fun when it was chronological and you just saw everyone's shit you followed. I don't want you to be like using machine learning to decide what I like to look at and then give me more of it. Like all I'm seeing is like aesthetic accounts and hot girls. Like this is fucking whack. Like I want to see my friends posts, you know, like what is going on? But at the same point, it's free. So I'm not tripping over it. I'm just diversifying my portfolio and making sure I have other channels to reach people. You know? Yeah. You ought to. Because Spotify could die. Twitter could die. Instagram could die. And if you build all of your following on one of those, that's going to be a really sad day for you. The Viners. You remember the Viners that were like Vine famous? And then Vine died and they were all like, no, you can't fucking take Vine from us. Like, and I felt for them because I was like, dude, you got 4 million followers just doing six second video loops. Like, what? That would suck. And like, if they hadn't moved people to other platforms, like those just disappeared. Yeah. That's why the email is so important. Email is all time right now. Yeah, I also like this. I like texting too. Like I like a, like the text version. I don't know if you heard that. There's some services where like use a fake number. Obviously, not like my actual fucking number, but like you can just text out people like, oh hey, here's my new single or whatever. Like so you can join basically a texting newsletter, and they can text you to like reach you. You can change settings and stuff. Like I don't want to be reached all the time by a whole bunch of crazy, but like that's a really good tool. I like that as well. It also like has connected me to people in like a cool way separate from just being bombarded by DMs that like might be over personal or like poorly timed. I get to choose when I look at my text messaging thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. I think it's good. I think we need more of that like direct to consumer type stuff. Mm. I do at least. Yeah. I feel like it's really easy for artists to get stuck in the Instagram spinning beach ball of death because you can't convert your followers like it's so hard to get them to click on your profile and click a link yeah even if it's a link tree that has every streaming platform that you're on for a single it people aren't clicking on that they don't even care 
No, the conversion rates are so low for anything yeah. that requires click throughs. I mean, I try to, my clients for my desk job, this is like something we talk about all the time, all the time. I'm like, okay, if you're asking your customer to click three times, that is three times too much. <laughs> they need to literally get the email and then it's like there, like there's a sign up form right there. There is a, you know, because it's true. It's me too. I'm the same way. Like you ever want to buy something like really bad dog. Like you see some clothes or something and you're like, Oh, I want that. That's like, it's a fly pair of pants. And then you get in the app, you get it in your cart and then you're like, something's going wrong. Or like you get out of the screen and like, you can't get back to it. And you're just like, I'm just not going to buy it. <laughs> horrible when you think about that in other people's behavior because like how many times have people tried to buy your merch and then like something's glitching on your site and like you have them there you had them right there and then they're like no come back later and they don't like you got to make sure everything works and like it's right there and it's easy and it's idiot proof and i'm like constantly looking for ways to do that not foolproof but i'm trying always there's always something like a little bit easier you know smart yeah. URLs when those happened I was like oh thank god someone came up with this like a pivot URL god because before I was just like it's on Apple music here's this link also it's on iTunes we don't know how those are different here's iTunes also for my third tweet of the same song here's Spotify like god this is so inefficient yeah I'm I wouldn't consider myself OCD but I am obsessed with the user experience and the user interface. Yeah. And so any any time that I put a new link up, I like have to compulsively go back and click it just to make sure like it works and and see how it goes and try to no, put myself that is not OCD. That is just like good habits. All right, I'll take that. You know, how many times have you tried to click someone's link and you're like, "Hey man, your link's not working." <laughs> <laughs> I do the reference all the time, all the time. Or like, hey man, your link looks good, but like it doesn't open Spotify when I click the Spotify thing. And they're like, shit, I've been using that link for three weeks. And I'm like, well, all your friends suck for not telling you. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Like that stuff happens like all the time. There's so many silly tech things that like I never thought I would be thinking about and I think about all the time now. Mm -hmm. That's definitely one of them. So let's talk about on the marketing side of things. I feel like I have these two angelic beings sitting on my shoulder. One's an angel, one is a devil. And they're telling me how to promote my song. Yeah. And I, I steer far away from saying things like, yo, I got this fire coming for you. Are you ready for this fire? I'm dropping this banger on Friday. I'm done. And it's, I guess my perception of it through the social media porthole is that, oh, like, I mean, these people are getting a lot more return than I am. Yeah. So maybe I need to like up that, that side of my game where I'm telling people how good it is but I would prefer to just let the song speak for itself and say, Hey, like it is what it is. This is what it's about. Here's the link. Yeah. You decide know. if you like it or not. I think it's about being authentic, right? Like I feel like there's plenty of people I know and they're like, this shit's fire. And they're like, they, they would not ever think about not saying that. That is a hundred percent 
what they have to say about it. That is who they are. That's how they talk about their meal from Taco Bell as well. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're just fucking, they're, you know, they're amped. And like, I love people like that. Personally, not for me. Like, I'm a little bit more, like we, I talked about imposter syndrome within like 20 seconds of this recording. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that can feel really like stressful and inauthentic for me to be doing. Something mm-hmm. that's a little bit easier for me is to just not only promote music. Like, that's my approach to marketing is like, it's if we're going to get really transparent, my approach to marketing is to be nice to everybody and to be genuine. So like, if I like someone's shit and I hear it, I share it. And then they know that I like their stuff. And I'm not doing that like thinking like, yeah, and you better share my next single when it drops on Friday. So I'm going to fucking remember, Kyle. Like, <laughs> I'm not thinking about that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I like the song, but I'm going to share it. What yeah. I am actively thinking about is that what will hurt me more than anything is a competition-based approach to anything. There is an abundance of people listening to music. Like, if people are listening to Kyle's music, they could be listening to mine too. Or they could be like, fuck your music and only listen to Kyle's music. And on the other hand, other people could be like, I love your music, fuck Kyle's music. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's not like a lack of people to listen. There's not a lack of people to follow you on Spotify. It's not a lack of uh-huh. access to these types of things. I think that what brings lack into people's experiences is that they believe there's a lack. So like, how the fuck are you gonna sell a wrench that fix a car if you've never seen it fix a car and you don't believe that it can fix a car, you know? So I think it's more about your belief. Like, do you think the song's fire? You don't have to say it's fire, but like, do you think that it could be placed in a movie? If you do, you're probably more likely to be going after sync opportunities. If you don't, you're sure as shit not emailing a whole bunch of music supervisors or, you know, uploading stuff to Music Gateway to try to get sync opportunities or like, you know, you're not thinking like that because you don't think it's possible. You're just yeah. thinking like, here's my new song. I'm gonna post it and like, get out of here because like, I know nothing's gonna come of this and this isn't gonna go there. And I've definitely been in that mental mindset, but like, I get, I totally get it. Like, I'm not like, no shade. It's just one of those things where like, you have to at least, obtain, uh, you know, entertain the possibility that something crazy dope can happen. Mm-hmm. you know like otherwise like it's not gonna you don't have to say it like I don't believe in that I do believe in I actually don't even believe in sharing your big ideas with people until you've really formed them because I think that even like people who mean really well they can kind of like rain on your parade like when you have like a fresh idea even if they love you maybe more so if they love you because they're like I don't know man it seems like a bad idea to start like a, a fucking blockchain music submission platform since you've never coded but like that could be an amazing idea that that person just didn't understand and you shared it with them and they kind of smoldered your fire so like i don't even like to share things like that i would definitely never be saying this song's fire but like (laughs) i get why you know you know what i'm saying i don't know i don't even know if that answered whatever the question or the origin of this was i mean i wish that i could transfer my consciousness into someone who's not a musician and then I could surrogately view social media through that lens. Ah, 
Because I'm constantly looking at it through a brand perspective. Oh, what's my brand? Andrew Michael Metter. This is my brand. Pay attention to me. But. <sighs> Dog, you're your brand though. Like you are your brand. Right, right. And that's, that's kind of my marketing approach. Like I'll post stuff about skateboarding, scuba diving. I love that. I love that. And it's just like, I just kind of made the decision for myself that instead of trying to play the game on social media, which like we've said, that's not like, that's not the real realm of advertising that serious artists are going to be in. This is like, why, why am I going to make social media my job? Like social media needs to serve me. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely just a piece of the puzzle. Right. It is crazy though. Like just how much people fixate on it. I think that can be really harmful just like the metrics and uh, like everyone was so pissed. Like I'm, I was one of the first Instagram people where they like beta tested removing likes. And I remember like some of my friends were so pissed. They were like, I can't see my likes. I can't see anyone else's likes anymore. And I was like, it's fine. Like, I don't care at all. And they were like, how can you not care? You've been building this platform. And I was like, no, I haven't dog. I've just been like ranting occasionally and like (laughs) eating lasagna and like filming it. Like, that's what I would have been doing anyways. Like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I guess in that, that capacity, I think it's kind of like a good thing. You can always, there's always something you can find to compare yourself to other people and you can be pissed and want to like steal fair things, whether it's like a gym regimen or like Spotify followers. Like that's the truth. But I also, I strongly believe in like the power of the niche. Like obviously the niche I've chosen is like, women and gay people because I am both of those things so like I'm an expert (laughs) but like for real my niche like from girl gang the whole reason I launched girl gang was because my niche was to connect with those people why not connect them while I'm doing that why not collectively bring everyone together and maybe make something a little powerful you know my vision is that like eventually our Spotify playlists have 40,000 followers or whatever. And I don't work with assholes like playlist punch who pay me to put people on there. Fuck that. We just put the music we actually like from women and non-binary and LGBT people. And then the power of our niche of people that less than 3% of people, you know, powers it and like comes together. Like, I think that's really powerful. Like if you have a thousand people who are willing to buy a $20 t-shirt that's way more money than if you have 10,000 people that are willing to like listen to your music for zero dollars online what could you do with all that money you know I think more about uh quality than quantity in terms of like that shit which is probably why I don't care about metrics because it's like that's not quality like one person who follows me on Instagram, the majority of them are not going to convert into a consistent listener or a friend <laughs> or someone who's going to buy merch. You know, that's going to be people who actually know me and like me and like have had a human interaction. Yeah. I've been doing some, I guess maybe a year ago, I really started doing some intentional work because I was getting frustrated internally and emotionally about friends that weren't like sharing my posts and sharing my music. Yeah. And I just kind of, through talking with people and hashing it out, just kind of realized like, 
it's not authentic or genuine to expect your friends to be your fans. No. Oh my God. And, no. and I don't want that. Like, I don't want my, f- yeah. It's really crazy because like, so being in Nashville, right? Like it's like a hundred percent of my friends are musicians. And so at any given week, not right now, but in normally at any given week, any week night, there's like a handful of shows I should be at if those people are people I support. Mm-hmm. I can't fucking possibly be in more than one place at one time, first of all. And you better figure that out. <laughs> Honestly, I'm working on it. I think we might be really close to something. I've had a lot of time in quarantine. Just been like going into my closet and putting on all my scarves and like spinning around and like seeing if I'll end up somewhere else. <laughs> Um, yeah, like it's just not possible. And I also would never like want to ask that of people. Like I always equate it to like when I used to play soccer, when I used to play soccer, I never expected everyone to just fucking come to my games because they knew me to watch me for 90 minutes, run around and kick a soccer ball, like maybe do things that were interesting for approximately 30 seconds of the whole time they're there for a fucking hour and a half. That is a lot what a show feels like to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, it feels like I'm begging you to come to this thing that like you didn't ask me to put on. <laughs> that's for sure. And like, you know, like it's just, I don't love it. Uh, that being said, like, I think my friends, my family uh, have been great supporters, but I think acquaintances have been even stronger supporters um of course there's like a small handful of people that are you know connected to me directly but the majority are just people that we share something small and that was enough and now they support me ritualistically and like it's still a human thing like i I don't know i wouldn't necessarily call anyone like a fan because i feel like a lot of times i interact with everybody if that makes sense like you DM me, I'll, I'll DM you back. Like, who the fuck am I going to act like I didn't see that? Like, nah, like, like I saw that. <laughs> like, I might forget every now and then, but like, I'm looking at them. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's, it's a little weird to me when people are like, I don't know. I, I, I totally get it. It's like your fans and your friends aren't the same thing. But at the same point, we treat our, we, we expect that our friends will operate like fans because we want support. And we want to feel valued and we want to know that they know how hard we've worked on something. And, you know, we want to see that. But at the same point, our friends be working on shit too. And I'm sure I forget plenty of chances to support them. And it's not out of like, I don't want to support you. It's like, God, I didn't see your post because the algorithm or I didn't like, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I have my own show, whatever. But I think the larger point for me is that I don't do anything for other people. Like after this is done, I'm just going to probably like sit here for six hours and just like work on beats. And like, maybe I'll make an Instagram video while I'm sitting here doing that. But like, I'm mostly just doing that because I've been working since 6am and that's like my time to feel good and like mm-hmm. just flow and like, you know, and if no one ever hears the song, that wouldn't be the first one. Like, fuck it. It's not, I don't know. It's not for everyone, if that makes sense. I also did not come from a particularly supportive uh, family in terms of creativity. They're more like, why don't you get a job that makes money? Like, don't do that. Don't, don't study music. Like I tried to transfer, uh, I told you before this, I, you know, only went to IU for like two seconds. So I was trying to transfer to another school. So I looked at Belmont, I looked at Berkeley, just like music schools, got into both of them. And my parents were like, 
but why would you pay for something that you don't need to pay for a music education? Just teach yourself. It's not worth money. And like at the time I dead ass, I was like, yeah, you guys are right. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I do wish I had that knowledge. And like, that sounds like a sad story. Like I love my parents, but I think because like, they weren't just like, Oh, play another piano song. Like, I don't expect anybody else to be like that. You know, like, I also didn't start any music shit till I was like 17. So my identity was pretty formed. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I grew up playing trumpet and then bass, but I didn't start writing music until I was 20. Wow, you're even later than me. I'm shocked by that. Cause like, you're good. I always tell people that like, like I started at 18 because I feel like it's like, it really like prefaces like the way I think and talk about music because I'm surrounded constantly by people who are totally musically fluent. A lot of the times went to Berkeley not like fucking Juilliard or something even more classical. And so I'm always like trying to lead with the information of, I don't know as much as you. So don't worry about it. Like we're not competing. I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm here to learn. <laughs> but seriously, like, I just think that we're all, our insecurities come out in like a really weird way. So I'm just always trying to like, let people know that like, I feel like a novice at best. Mm. Okay? Trying to learn. Yeah, like I, I'm trying to learn from everything and tying it back to, to the COVID situation. Yeah. I kind of made a decision instead of being butthurt about all the attention that I'm not garnering, <laughs> I'm just going to keep working on projects, developing my skills and like investing in myself regardless yeah. of what happened on the make-believe world of yeah, dude. the internet yeah dude because it really is make-believe it's kind of like I, I, my mom always says this I remember like when I was in middle school I missed like a dance or something because I was like sick and I was like so upset that I was gonna miss it and I was like uh -huh. I was like harping on like this is my only dance that I get to go to blah, blah, blah. and my mom was like no one's even gonna notice you're not there which sounds so mean so mean but she's right you know maybe a few people will and those people ride for me dog they ride for me right those are my friends but yeah the majority are just looking for whatever their little middle school crush was and their three or four friends that make them feel comfortable to have there yep. no one gives a shit what you're doing like literally no one doesn't care if you don't come and I, it's hard for me. I'm, I, I need that because I'm a guilt and shame person. I would, I would go to every show every single night with my friends if I could possibly do it because mm -hmm. I am like that. And then I'd resent all of them because I'd have no time to do my own shit. And I'd be pissed that I spent my whole week at random ass people's shows. Random ass. Like they're my friends, but you know what I'm saying? It's not a bad lesson. Like for real, most of the time people aren't yeah. doing about themselves. And so you should be doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> just doing your own shit and just be patient and just keep on doing it. I, I think it's easier said than done, but you got to be in love with the process. And you said something like, I'm in, I love learning about everything. That's what it is. Like you got to really genuinely like learning about stuff and like, just, you know, kind of eating shit sometimes, to be honest, you gotta, 
I don't know. I, I'm, I enjoy the process. Like when I figure out something with like a new piece of gear after fucking with it for like three hours, I feel so validated. Oh yeah. So content. Like it's like a type of joy. I don't know how to articulate, which is how I know it's a good way <laughs> of spending my time, you know? Yeah. The emotional guidance thing. Like, are you familiar with that? Like the term like emotional guidance or whatever? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's basically like, the notion of like uh, emotions are a sliding scale right so you have like fucking rage at the bottom and then you have like joy at the top this is simplified but and at any given time your emotions are going between the two you might be like here frustrated kind of like you know feeling lazy you know or you might be more here and the way i think about emotions is like as emotional guidance so like if uh, example like this morning I woke up and I'm like I, I swear I got up my eyes and I was like yeah you have so much to do fuck blah, blah, blah. like my brain was like immediately like anxiety good fucking morning like and I was like ah and you know I was like okay what am I feeling <laughs> I am feeling anxious why am I feeling it don't know. So I like went outside, like sat down in journal because that anxiety is guidance. Turns out I was kind of just really dwelling on something that I knew I had to do this morning. Didn't really want to do it. Didn't really feel prepared. Was like nervous about it. You know what I'm saying? It was like a meeting with somebody I'd never met before. A Zoom meeting at that. Like, blah. And so I like sat there and I processed that I was nervous about it. And I said, why am I nervous? Okay. I don't know this guy. I Googled him. I looked at his LinkedIn. I watched some of his past press appearances. And suddenly I wasn't anxious anymore. Why? Because I took action to like make myself, you know, the alternative would could have been, I'm just anxious. I make coffee, stressed out, get into my work day and I don't take that time. I go into that meeting anxious and then it doesn't go well because I'm anxious. And I'm like projecting that energy onto the exchange in like an untethered way, if that makes sense. And I think, like, I think emotions are like that a lot. For me, a lot of times, I don't know where my emotions come from. Like, um, it could be because of, like, an anxiety disorder. Uh, but it's also, like, sometimes you just need time to process. Sometimes you feel mad about something where you're not actually mad. You, your feelings are hurt by what the person said or what they did. And it's better to just feel the emotion and then be like, what's the guidance? Okay, to tell this person that this hurt my feelings and to communicate that so that it doesn't happen again. And then I don't like gunny sack this anger and carry it around all day. Cause I'll feel better or I'll feel really worse. And that person will be like, fuck you. I don't care that your feelings are hurt. And I'll be like, Oh my God, actually fuck you. Why would I care what you think you're mean? And that would be resolved too. You know, like you gotta use that as a guidance thing. If that makes any, that's how I feel about emotion for sure. Dude, like all the time. Yeah, that makes sense because it's like your emotions are the empirical evidence. Yeah, but we just can't make sense of it like when we're not able to observe the emotion. Like when we're yeah. just feeling it, like I'm a ruminator, right? Like so if I get something in my head that's bothering me, I'd be like this in my brain with it. And like you can not talk to me for two hours and then you'll be like, so what are you thinking about? I'm like, you know what she said? And I'll like bring it back up because I'm still thinking about it. I have not let it go, you know? So I have to like yeah. consciously like, you're mad, not because of that girl at the grocery store, 
you're mad because of this, and then you projected that onto that exchange, and it's ruined the last three hours of your product mm-hmm. and mindset and mental well-being. And ain't nobody got time for that shit right now, at all. Period. Anyways, yeah, that, that's so good. Um, I want to I want to talk about women in music. Yeah, and I. I think it's it's really important that we have representation and it's really important that we don't sell one another short on opportunities and even just the fun of making music so i have this i have this issue in robotics i coach a robotics team and i'm trying to figure out how i can get more black and brown students interested Mm -hmm because they're totally competent yeah intelligent they have the skills to succeed in it yeah and i was thinking about it and i was thinking about okay well what are the specific things like i can't just put my flag up and say we need more of this without identifying like the the problems and i i realized that my black students are all involved in sports because there's so many more scholarship opportunities for sports than there are in robotics. Right. And those are competing schedules during the school year. Yeah, no, it really is so true. That, there's, there's part of the problem. Why the fuck are robotics and STEM programs competing with sports? Right. Like that's a problem right there. It's a problem. Um, so I was just going to ask you, what do you like? What do you think is is keeping that that number from increasing? Yeah, I mean, it's like a classic diversity question, right? I think a lot of corporations they set diversity goals and they'll put like a brown or like an inclusive looking person on their board, and they're like, "We did it. We did. We have done the diverse. There it is. Like, we've done the diversity." Yeah, I think it's like there's several layers to it, right? Like, um, yeah, one, work with organizations who are already doing the work on like a macro level. So like, I don't know if where you're at, there's like any type of um, school programs in more diverse neighborhoods, right? Like go to those schools, set up meetings with, uh, you know, the people in charge there and say, hey, I'm able to teach this virtually. I know we're in like a new reality and sports might not be happening this fall, but you know what could be happening? The robotics club, like stuff like that. Like that actually is a really real important moment. And then I think there are some macro stuff that has to happen, right? Like I would say related to this, we should be, um, the government should be creating programs that would put people into the roles we need. So let me start first with mental health. We need mental health providers. So to do that, you would set up a fund of money that would pay for their tuition at the, you know, at the level that we need. So if like we need a psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, you pay for them to get those degrees, thus stimulating the economy with more of those types of workers. That's the same type of thing that you would need to do with like STEM and music to get people into it. So like a great thing I was recently part of that I think is an important work. Universal Music Group, uh, their sync arm did an album that was the first ever album that's fully 
produced, mixed, and mastered by women. It's called 100% Her. So every single person involved there was paid, right? That right there is doing something. It's, first of all, how fucking crazy is it that that's the first ever album that is totally created by women? That's nuts. That's unreal. That doesn't make sense. It's so fucking easy to make music right now. I mean, of course, there's probably like somebody out there who like, like me, you know, like let's say if I had uh, had a woman mix and master my last album, that would have been me trying to do my part a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Pay the people who are already there in the industry is the point I'm trying to make. And then you'll create more of them, right? Like I'm going to have a preference to hire females. Sorry, dudes, love you. But like, I never worked with a dude or I never worked with a woman in the music industry or in a studio that wasn't an artist, which is like top lining singing. Uh, for a decade, like until I moved to Nashville. Nashville is the first place I actually met like female producers. I knew a few in New York, but like, you know, that's how you, that's how you create them. They have to, there has to be roles for them. And Mm -hmm. also they have to be credited. So like the, you know, I think uh, the transparency that's, that's uh, being forced on Spotify and streaming platforms to credit and include producers and songwriters. I think that's really important because there actually are a lot more big ass producers and writers that are women uh, and, and gay and non-binary that are killing it. But we just might not know their names because they're not the artists per se, you know, like. Yeah, Drake there's no person. jewel case for us to open up and read the lyrics. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Drake, one of the biggest producers that he works with, has done a lot of his tracks. Cece, it's a woman. Like, most people don't know that, but who the fuck doesn't know who Drake is? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. putting that type of stuff together, you know, and really uh, fostering that shit, like, young is important. Like, your robotics program. We need that in, uh, you know, schools. Like, we, there's stuff like Girls Who Code, uh, which is, I don't yeah. know if you are yeah, like, those type of organizations that are, you know, aimed at getting young girls into coding and STEM programs. That's what we need with music industry as well. Mm. starting them young i would have done anything to have been learning in fourth grade how to track midi data <laughs> like how dope would that be your music yeah. class included some sort of technology component what would that require that's a macro thing again like everything's connected how do we fund education programs i don't know if you've heard about the police <laughs> <laughs> But maybe defund them and try to put some of that money back into education, which we've been defunding since the 70s, dog. Like, brilliant. You know what I'm saying? Like, these things are connected. There's only so much money, and you got to have priorities that are reflective of the needs uh, in society, which is why I went straight to mental health, because, of course, it's really important that we have girls that are able to produce and make it in the music industry. But, like, I'm thinking the main crisis we have right now is a mental health crisis. So... That, I'm saying, let's put the money there, but then also let's, you know, get the <laughs> girls in the black and brown babies into STEM programs. Man, I agree wholeheartedly on mental health. Like, I've, I've been able to overcome a lot, and I've, I've accumulated, like, my way of working and dealing with things. Yeah, like a skill set. yeah. Yeah. And it is so like, I was just telling my wife the other night, I'm, I'm essentially a balance of left and right brain, yeah. with like science and art. And I was telling her the other day, like, 
I have no idea how people who don't have like the science rational mm. side of their brain as a strength, how yeah. do they manage their emotional wellness? Because it is so challenging for me to do it. And I feel like I, I have that skill set. I cannot imagine yeah. what it must be like. I feel that. I feel that spiritually. I would say like my family would perceive me as like a totally emotional actor. And then everyone else I know would be like, what do you mean? You're like so logical. And I think that's like the perfect explanation of how we all kind of feel inside. Like inside we are feeling and experiencing our emotions, but we have logic like with us, that angel devil thing, right? Like yeah, the devil is like the emotion, like poking me with his little like stick and the angel's like, be logical. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't, <laughs> this is crazy. But yeah, I mean, it's like, it's definitely a skill set thing. And I think uh, like people keep being like, oh, so, you know, anxiety and depression, like it's getting diagnosed more and more people have it right now. And I'm like, they might not have disorders, but more and more people are experiencing depression and anxiety. Like a lot of people I know who have never experienced that type of stuff in their life are really going through it right now. And I think it's, it's really fucking hard, but luckily people like you and I exist and we have developed skill sets and we can share them with them and help them cope through this situation. And I think that's kind of our task is to, to help people who haven't had to deal with anxiety until right now or depression right now, you know, just with some skills and support them to getting the help they need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. World's fucked up, but we're all in it together. That's, that's what's really important. Like I, it's really important to me that people know I'm on their side. Yeah. And that we're in this together and like, man, how backwards is it that our economic policies don't value all citizens equally? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not really just, that's just not really how capitalism works, is it? (laughs) Yeah. It's really not, unfortunately. I I know there's like my grandpa somewhere just cringing at me even saying the word capitalism because he knows that that's how we make money but not everybody dude it's not how everybody makes money and it's really not serving everybody we need to fix some shit and i think it's the jigs up with trickle down economics if you ask me i would love to see any type of data projection that shows that that works for anyone (laughs) well other than like the top 0.003 percent Right, yeah. They're doing great. They're enjoying their seventh yacht right now of quarantine. They just change yachts every week, I assume. <laughs> I mean, they're just like disposable cups. You just you get one, it starts sinking, and then you just step onto the next one as like the solo co- cups of boats, basically. Possibly <laughs> awesome new one if you get too fucked up. <laughs> so let's um let let's close by sharing our processes for mental health. Okay. Um, So for me, yeah, I'll go first. That way we can close with you. Oh, Um, for me, I am a, I'm a kinesthetic learner, which means that I need to be moving or doing something and something Mm -hmm. about the activation of my body helps me focus really Mm -hmm. precisely. So 
like during this time of isolation, if I couldn't go outside and go skateboarding, I really, I legitimately believe I would be dead like from anxiety right now because I, I can go skate for an hour and the process of moving my body and focusing on something, getting out and moving around helps me like funnel through what I'm feeling. Yeah. And I was describing it to someone like, it's like I have all of these clickbait emotions and it's really satisfying to like look at them because it's gossipy, it's juicy, it's, it's, um, it gives me a victim mentality. So it makes me feel like I've never done anything wrong and <laughs> I'm such a poor victim, poor but then boy. it helps me weed through that. And, and so like getting out and being active. So I know if I'm like starting to roll down that hill, I have that course of action that I can take. Yeah. God, that's really good. It's really real too. Like I remember when I had my first therapist, that's telling me, that's telling a lot. My first therapist, she was like, how much do you exercise? And I was like, oh man, I used to like run all the time. I played soccer. That's like 14 miles per game, blah, blah, blah. She's like, yeah, but like now. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like, like a few times a week, like if I can get there, you know, before work or whatever. And I guess I have a psych degree, but I'm not a psychologist. So let me just caveat that. But I guess that is one of like the main things people with depression can do to feel better because it's like, it's, and it's parallel in terms of impact on positive uh, returns to being on antidepressants. Not for everyone. Obviously, a lot of people need medicated, but it's a parallel thing that you can do daily that would be, you know, beneficial if you're someone who's not on medication or that's not for you. So like that always has stuck with me and I don't like working out at all, but I'm the same way as you. Like every day I do yoga or I go for a run with my dog Otis um, because like I just know I have to and I feel so much better and also like you said it works through things mentally like something might be bothering me by the end of the run i'm like eh. that was before the run <laughs> i'm yeah. over it. like i've <laughs> kind of like went past it um but yeah i think those that's super real that's one thing i do uh another thing i do is i meditate i do transcendental meditation twice daily which is just like have a mantra. And if you like, forget it, go back to it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And I'll have music or like guidance. I just, I started with like three minutes at a time, which felt like forever. And now I do like 15 in the morning. It's all I've done for. And then however much I can do at night, I usually do like, you know, half hour if I can get it in at night. And then people like just talking about things. I am like not good with, um, and I, I don't mean like, you know, treating my friends like a therapist, right? I mean, talking about things with your therapist, but also talking through things with people because there's something fucked up about when you just understand that like, oh, like I'm not the only one feeling like on the verge of losing it for the past three months. Like, yeah, it's a weird season. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's easier to give yourself grace when you know that everyone's been struggling to get their work done and struggling to focus and feeling impending doom. Like, it really is. It's like not, I don't like the saying misery loves company, but I just think everyone loves company. You know, <laughs> it's good to know that like in any of those experiences. So talking to somebody about it. 
super important. I know that's cliche, but like, it's real. It's definitely real. Do you do anything else other than work out? Is that your daily thing? No, I try and do it at least like three or four times a week. That's good. But it's like you said, like, you know, I don't, I don't honestly have a lot of free time during, <laughs> during quarantine. So right. um, yeah, beyond that, like, so I moved to Chattanooga like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I moved here and I spent two years just kind of like cycling through friendship circles, trying to find those people that would stick with me and the people yeah. that I felt like were like my tribe. Yeah. And so I've recently, I think I've found those people that, that I feel like I can talk about absolutely anything with and, and we're just, we're down for one another and most of us connect through music. So that's a through line that helps us connect. But man, like if I just, if I didn't have anyone to talk openly and unfiltered with, you know, that would just make me go absolutely insane. That's fundamentally human. I, I just, I think it's a challenging time right now because we can't, well, it's not really ethical to like be seeing a lot of people, but at the same point, like, we have this opportunity to reconnect with everyone who's not right here right now. And that can be only the people that are like that, which is amazing. Sure. I have to talk to some people every day that aren't on that same vibrational level or I kind of have to, you know, put on a face for, but the majority of people just like that, like that's your tribe, man. That's what you need. And yeah. you don't have to be all in one. Like, this isn't high school. Like, you don't need to click. You just need, like, a few buddies that are there for each of your things, you know? The shared interest in music is amazing, though. I do love that. Like, most of my friends are musicians or creatives, for sure. But they're all over the place. It's not just in Nashville. They're like, you know, I, I don't think I'm ever going to necessarily have the tribe that I have all over the world that I've met in life that were like my people my soulmates when I met them yeah all in one place and that's okay like that would be crazy if they were all in one place we'd probably all die I don't even know we'd like just lose our shit and start a commune and fucking who knows you know communes for 2021 (laughs) (laughs) that means we gotta start planning them now yeah that's a next year plan Whew. shit i'm too i'm too much of an ambivert for commune but i like the idea mm. does that mean it's like a mix of an introvert and extrovert it means you, you yeah can yeah extroverted but you actually recharge as an introvert right so like i'll be out at a party and everyone be like that person's so in- that person's like very you know crowd person they talk to everybody and then i go home and i'm like holy fucking shit and like lay down for six days and i'm like god i'm never leaving <laughs> that's me so jen how can people support your artistry how can they support girl bang music yeah thanks for asking let me plug all my stuff here uh you can follow me on all of the socials at jen miller j-e-n-m-i-l-l-e-r says hi and uh girl gang is at girl gang music or www.girlgangmusic.com and we'd love to have you. It's uh, not just for women. We love the support of men. We could not do anything without our allies. So we 
are ready for a big 2021 as a commune. Come join us. <laughs> <laughs> They've got 20 slots available. So I signed right. now. Man, thank you so much for having me. This has been a really good time.